Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In this podcast, you will hear from leading experts who share their highlights from the 2023 IHA meeting. This podcast features experts Jesus San Miguel and Enrique Ocio, who discuss updates from the Cartitude 4 and Cartitude 1 trials and further comment on the use of measurable residual disease in clinical practice. We are here in the EHA 23 in Frankfurt and I want to ask you, Jesus, about the, I think, the most re relevant recent data we have on myeloma, which is the data on the CARTITUDE 4 with shelter cell in early relapses. Okay, I think, I think this is an important trial because there is an unmet medical need as those patients that relapse early on and are refractory to lenalidomide. And in these patients, the median progression for survival is relatively short and probably it's going to be even worse if they are also refractory to daratumumab. Therefore, we need something special for them. And what has been done in this clinical trial was to compare cytosol versus standard of care. And at that time, we were talking about uh, 2022, there were only two possibilities, DARA-PD or PVD. And based on this comparison, in more than 400 patients, randomized to one or the other, what we have seen is a 74 reduction in progression or death in the experimental arm. And also, I think in this study, what we have seen is that we are confirming the efficacy of Celta cell in the CARTITUDE 1 that was for the latest stage of treatment. And here, is, super, is superior because it's used in early lines of therapy, but also the safety profile is probably a bit better when you open using in early lines. Uh, Enrique, let me, uh, let me ask you uh, also regarding uh, this clinical trial, because I think it's going to be approved uh, this uh, CAR-T silta cell in late lines of therapy, but we are facing more and more commonly patients that relapse after frontline refractory to Dara and Len, then do you think is really a need for the near future? Absolutely. I think that now we are facing, as you say, more double and particularly triple class refractory patients, refractory to PI, IMIS and anti-C30 and monoclonal antibodies after one or two prior lines of therapy because we are using all these lines of these therapies very early in the disease. So we need novel agents for them. And Definitely, I think uh, all these novel immunotherapies with uh, CAR-Ts and the biospecifics are really something that is a breakthrough for these patients. I think we need to move them earlier. We don't have to wait for three, three four lines of therapy. As soon as possible, we have to, to, to have these, these agents for them. And definitely, CAR-Ts are a perfect situation. Pro probably I can add something. Uh, uh, in line with what uh, Enrique has mentioned, is that in this study, if we look to the progression-free survival in the control arm, it was 11.8 months. But now we have in this, in the experimental arm, is 76% progression-free. And if we concentrate in those patients that actually receive the CAR-T, is 84%, 85%. Therefore, this means that the majority of the patients are progression-free at one year. And I expected that it's going to be probably a plateau in those that achieve MRD negative status. I mean, it's very early, yes, to think that, but let's look 
for the near future. Jesus, and I don't know if you have, if there is data on the trial on quality of life of the patients, probably there is not yet, no. but I really think that also having the CAR T with this one shot and then being out of treatment for, I would say, even so, I was going to say forever, but it's until progression, but it's for a long time, is also really something completely new for this patient. Yeah. I mean, if we go back to the CARTITUDE 1, it was reported at the last ASCO, a median progression-free survival of three years. Then if you multiply this and without any treatment for this period of time, I think we are now opening a new paradigm for myeloma patients. Uh, I want also, uh, because I briefly mentioned, Enrique, about the minimal residual disease. Uh, and if, again, if we look to the CARTITUDE 1, but it's the same here in, in CARTITUDE 4, the patients that achieve an MRD negative status, do you think, are we going to cure some patients? Well, I think, I, I really, if, the question is, if I think that, I really believe we are curing patients. So I think these trials are really something completely different. We have so many patients in MRT negativity in late lines of the disease that, of course, if we move to the first relapses, and even now we are using them in new late diagnosis, the rate of MRT negativity, very deep MRT negativity, is really high. I, I definitely think we are curing patients. Now I have to say, my nurses, my resident physicians, that when we see these type of patients that are MRT negative after several lines of therapy, I have to say, this, is not, this was not normal three years ago. This is abs something absolutely revolutionary, having these patients so well with these deep responses and lasting for so long. That's I really think. Yeah, but Enrique, this is going to be a bit dangerous. Not, not for me, because if we are curing myeloma, probably I am not going to have any problem in the near future with my myeloma dedication. But for people like you, <laughs> similar to what happened in the past with the CML, you will need to reinvent yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we will have, I think we still have, my, we are now in the middle of the revolution of these new things. Still we need to, to know how to best use them. If we have to use some, immunos, uh, some maintenance approaches, if we can do this, uh, in combination so I still have we still have a lot of a lot to know but yes maybe in five ten years we will have to move to another disease to try to find something new wow. this will be in fact this will be marvelous because I mean we, we are working for patients and this morning we have the IMS and ISHA combined meeting uh, and the, the, the first uh, the, the first talk was about minimal residual disease and now it's clear that minimal residual disease can help physicians in many ways to adapt treatment when you have early refractory disease, to try to uh, stop treatment during maintenance for those patients that may not need, and you will avoid refractoriness. You can also evaluate the efficacy of the different treatment arms in clinical trials. Therefore, I think this is a, a new tool that is going to be in the clinic. Absolutely. So I think sometimes, some years ago, we have the, the MRD only as a prognostic, but only. It's very important to have the, it's at the prognostic information. But now more and more we are using MRD as a guide to, 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 the, to take decisions, to take clinical decisions and to know how best 
uh, treat our patients. And this is, for me, is also something very important. Probably we, we will need to stop at some time because, you know, Enrique and me, we have been working now for, for many years together and we can continue talking. And for the audience, I think is now time, yes, to stop. And to say thank you very much to all of you. Okay, thank you. And we go with you to the, to the, to the meeting. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.